Hey everybody, welcome to this all-new episode of Poetry Spoken Here. I am producer and technical director Jack Rossiter-Munley. Very quickly, I just wanted to mention that there's a little bit of audio interference on today's episode from our international call up to Ontario, Canada. Uh, It shouldn't be too distracting from the incredible content that is in the interview, but obviously wanted to give you a quick heads up so that you know what to expect. Here's the show. Hello and welcome to this all new episode of Poetry Spoken Here. I am producer and technical director Jack Rossiter-Munley. And very quickly before we get into the episode, I just wanted to mention as always that Poetry Spoken Here is produced by Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated, a small digital production company making podcasts about poetry, literature, and cultural history. You can find out more about Poetry Spoken Here and all of the other Cardboard Box Productions podcasts at cardboardboxproductionsinc.com. And, most excitingly, Cardboard Box Productions also has a newsletter called Unboxed that you can subscribe to, and that's a great place to get more information about the poets and writers featured on Poetry Spoken Here, and the people, poems, and subjects featured on all of the other Cardboard Box shows. So again, that's the newsletter Unboxed that you can subscribe to from CardboardBoxProductionsInc.com. On with the show. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Janet Marie Rogers. She is a Mohawk Tuscarora writer from the Six Nations of Grand River. That's in Ontario, about an hour west, hour and a half west of Toronto, at the west end of, uh, of the lake. And she is very active. She's just published her seventh book, Ego of a Nation, with Ogisto Publishing, and she recently organized the first storytelling festival. And that was out there in Hamilton, again, just a bit west of Toronto. That was in late August of 2021. It just happened. And so, uh, Janet, I'm really glad you can be here. You know lots of interesting things I don't know, so I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Well, I really appreciate you inviting me on there, Charlie. I really appreciate um, having the opportunity to share and also, you know, mostly um, uh, help celebrate Indigenous culture. It's interesting that, um, you know, if, if if you don't have your ear to the rail about, you know, Indigenous things or Native American things, then those things really, a lot of them go by the wayside. So, as a as a as a cultural person who you know who helps to promote writing and literature, this is a really really good way to share those things. So thanks for that. I completely agree with you, and I want to say this right off just for a little context for people. I mentioned to you, so you're from the Six Nations territory of Grand River, and that is the largest reserve in Canada by population, and the second largest reserve in terms of geographic size and the only reserve in North America where all six nations of the Iroquois live together. And that just seems pretty significant. And I'm wondering about actually kind of all of it. Well, is is it a a big deal that the six nations live together? Was there some well, special yeah, event that happened that brought them together years ago or something? Or Yeah, it's called the War of 1812. Oh. And, uh... <laughs> I heard of that. Okay. <laughs> A little thing called the War of 1812, which actually really solidified white man's border that that currently separates us now. Um, but uh, at the time, uh, the five nations 
nations, um, the six nations now operated under a, um, a, a governance, a governing body called the Confederacy, the Iroquois Confederacy. And in the, they, some say, some have different opinions as to when the sixth nation, which was the Tuscarora nation, uh, was added and adopted to the six nations. And some say it's like mid 1700s, some say earlier. But um, like anybody, uh, any of the nations all across Turtle Island, you know, including um, South America, North America, all over the place, the indigenous people got pushed out of our original homelands. And of course, yes, there was some nomadic lifestyles happening at the same time. But, you know, we, I'm sure we would have been happy to have stayed wherever we were. Yeah. But um, that War of 1812 um gave us the the choice it's like it was sort of inevitable that we as a as nations were going to have to disband until this white man nonsense was over and um as a thank you to uh, supporting the british uh they awarded us our land back of course a fraction of the amount of land that it once was so you know thanks a lot but um, so that's so we were promised six miles on each side of the Grand River. And of course, if you can imagine, the, that uh, land promise had, had keeps getting chiseled away at. And there's a little um, event currently, you may have heard of it, 1492 Land Back. Uh, it's a land reclamation or a land sustainable action, which is basically uh, people who uh, over a year ago in July of 2020, uh, took up residence on our a parcel of our land where developers had somehow acquired or fabricated some kind of development um, document saying that they had the rights to do to develop it. And we said, no, we want to keep this land. It's our land and we have generations coming up after us and we, we're going to need land for our people coming up in generations to come. So uh, the brain and, and um uh, uh, sacrificing people of the land back, they went and they lived on the land, started to build tiny homes on the land, and there was lots of support, and there still is lots of support um, to bring supplies and, and necessary goods over to uh, that, our parcel of land that did And now, and because people have stayed up for, two, for so long, that the developers, they said, well, we have investors and we have to let those investors go now. And so they, the, uh, they stopped developing on that land. And so there, that, that's been a win. A victory. It's yeah. been a win in, in that regard. Um, but the courts still want to you know, slap our wrists for standing yeah. on our own land. So, um, so that's yet to come, but, um, familiar, you know, right? so, and, yeah, and there's, and, and actually, you know, it's as a poet, this is, this is historic and I need to respond to it. So I have been, I have Definitely. been kind of focusing on those events because, you know, uh, they happen and then happen again in the future and they're going to happen again in the future. And we know that as poets and as native people, we know that. So yeah, that's what I've done um, in some of my, some of my current poetry. There's lots to write about. Okay, I, I can tell I'm in danger of just talking to you for the whole time. So, you better read us. You better read us a poem. We have to mix okay. it up. I want people okay. to get familiar with your poetry as well as you and and your world. Sure. Thank Great. you for that. Yeah, this one is called "I Do Not Speak for My Chiefs, and My Chiefs Do Not Speak for Me." And this um, poem was um, inspired by um, a a kind of a press conference that we held. 
uh, well, the injunctions were still on um, for the people who were occupying our land. And so the court had sent and uh, created these injunctions to prohibit uh, more people from joining the protest and from uh, more people uh, taking up residence on more parcels of our land anywhere else in the in our territory. So it's really kind of ridiculous. The courts really bug me. But anyway, um, this is from that uh, press release. I am thinking of long-term well-being, protecting and healing as spiritual responsibility, inspiring and informing, remaining self-determined for the children, exemplary evidence of a love so enormous it defines, it defies ordinary definition. We speak on original instruction and don't care to provide you with explanations left vulnerable to misinterpretations. Our language of envisioning looks like covenants of history, reciting and repeating, sharing dates of significance, 1763 royal proclamations, 1924 state sanctioned invasions, the 15 years since we met under similar circumstances, deficient of humanity, keep us meeting. Spiritual treaties, not land deeds, ecological sensitivities, birth rights and governing authorities. Is any of this getting through? We can't be held accountable for negotiations overdue. Perhaps the inadequacies lie with you. Nation to nation means reducing our truth to reach levels equal to your cognitions. Insignificant law languages can't carry conceptions natural and yet so complex. Personal empire building is not what we do. We sit alone at this table forever polishing the chain repeatedly presented as treaty reaching through clouds of denial enabling you to walk away. The land dictates etiquettes and informs the people how to live with original instruction voiced in your courts all for naught. Even with our evidence, winning will never be the ultimate decided in a house created to unhouse others. We have everything we need to carry on in independence. We govern with love for one another in gratitude and with inalienable honor. That's what's happening right now, Charlie. Uh-huh. That's, as you said, the poet's got to speak about what's going on. That's it. And try to clarify and motivate people to, that's to it. get yeah. on with it. Yeah. Just, Recorder, yeah, recorders of time, markers of time. You know, that's, that's I think, a, a big part that the poet plays. Um, and, and also, it's, it's, it's self-serving in the way that, you know, what do you do? With all the frustration, what do you do with all of that yeah. uh, anger and and uh, and feeling of helplessness and things like that? It's like you 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 put it down on paper and you make it live out in there in the world as much as you can, you know. And you and you, you teach poetry too, correct? I love to teach poetry. I love to yeah. I love to share uh, that. You know, I'm a radio person. I don't know about you, Charlie, but I'm an old radio person too. And I love teaching radio as well. So anything that helps to kind of open the circle and build upon the circle of um, Indigenous voices, I, I love to be part of that. And you guys have so much going on up there right now. I uh, oh, mostly, you know, getting posts on Facebook from I Don't Know More and a few other mm. groups like that from, from Canada and just, and the stuff that's going on with what they're finding at the schools is just. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, it's just. 
Yeah, it makes was... me cry. And of course, you know, I've um, written about that too. I mean, I thought I was not going to write about it. It's a lesson. I wasn't going to write about, I didn't want to address the uh, um, mass, un, the mass amounts of unmarked graves yeah. at the Indian residential schools it, it, because it's happening in real time. It's the, the dust isn't settled. And I don't think it's going to be settled in my lifetime or your lifetime. I really don't think so. That's it's it's too horrific to process almost, you know. Yeah. But a, a senior artist, senior to me, said, "No, that's what you're here to do. That's your job, mm. you know, to address these hard, hard things and and do your best to make sense of something like that." Um, when you know, even even with all of the evidence, the um, the idea of denying that sort of genocide and those actions of genocide is still prevalent. And you just like, like, like what you're doing, Charlie, you're just shaking your head and going, how can you possibly, I mean, you know, insult to injury kind of thing. So, so yeah, there's a lot happening. There's always a lot happening. It's almost like a, a, a parallel of, um, awakening and as it, it's like the stronger the awakening and awareness becomes, the stronger the resistance becomes too that awakening and awareness so we always have our cut out for us we always yeah how much how do you handle it when you're teaching uh how much do you push students to i'll just say be relevant to be simplistic but you know what i mean to to like confront what's really going on in the world while among other things that they may write about yeah that's that's the thing that's a really good question because you know i mean it's up to, like the poet has to, I always say this, I would say, you know, the first responsibility, the poet's first responsibility is to themselves. It's like, don't go somewhere if you're not ready to go there. Don't open a wound that you don't know how to close or heal, you know? Yeah. Um, but if you are ready, if you feel grounded enough and um, prepared enough emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, then go there because that's what makes good poetry when you go, when you have the ability to go deep, articulate the truths and, and yet still stay creative, still keep that creative voice active too. Mm -hmm. Um, Because otherwise, you know, we're going to be writing newspaper articles and we're not news writers um, in in that sense, but um, it's, it's important to, um, to offer, to offer these experiences, these realities up in creative voice. That's what makes good poetry. All right. Yeah, well, let's hear another good poem. <laughs> okay, well, since we were just talking about that, you know, it's, it's um, this one was hard. It, it took a bit to write this one, and it is about the uh, mass graves of the murdered children in Indian residential schools. So it is called perpe- perpe- uh, Perpetration, Perpetration. What ghosts, beasts born from wrath of gossip, un anticipated and astonished rise from tragic graves of rest. They lay intransient before us, for even with this evidence, disbelief remains stalwart. What do we do when exasperation of retelling forms scars on our throats, resisted by sharp-tongued intellect, denying the very fabric this murderous history is woven with? We summon humanity, we mourn collectively, we make do with symbolism while babies learn to breathe this grief with us. They rest with us. 
radiation waves, unearthed ancestors, patterns of colonialism blowing in the wind, unthreaded colors and ragged fringe of nationalism. We are people. We have nothing to reconcile. Indoctrination of collective consciousness inspires resilience in each of us. When ghosts of beasts transform to matter, faces, names, mass graves, madness, when all the horror within collected stories is finally realized to be real. No fiction of equal status. How many more? How many murdered brown humans to make it true? Convincing as we do and the fighting when do we get to stop fighting? Insisting our humanity is worth punishing, sufficient for reparations. We are not monsters. We are humans. We are not the problem. Wounds reopened, almost healed, reinfected. New knowledge brought uninvited. Reactive, recovery, autonomy. Not aftermath, but real-time revelations, constant and horrific. What happens now is not for you. It does not include you, has nothing to do with you. Discoveries defining generations. We cannot vote this healing in. It can never be what it once was again. It can only be what it will be now. Premature proclamations of never again. When perpetration defines expectation, the bell has now been rung. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I meant to ask uh, sometime before uh, the story with the storytelling festival. Did uh, is it going to happen again? We're sure hoping so, man. We were really, really pleased about okay. the outcome of that two day Great. festival, and it was the first first time ever um, that the focus was on Haudenosaunee, and that's the you know people might know our nation to be Iroquois, but that's the wrong name. Like that's the a French name that was bestowed upon us, and we are, are Haudenosaunee people. So, and that encompasses all the six nation nations. Haudenosaunee means. Uh, translates to people who build the longhouse or people love the longhouse. Uh, so it refers uh, directly to where we live, how we live collectively. Uh -huh. And um, and the rafters of that longhouse are always, can always bend it upon. And so, because we need to keep building, you know, to uh, encompass all of our, and accommodate all of our, our, our growing nations. So that's what this storytelling festival was really attempting to do. We're recognizing now that within our own nation, within our own community of six nations of the Grand River, we have some fantastic storytellers and poets and novelists and memoirists and essayists and like all of the, all of the genres. And then maybe even creating new genres where it's not quite memoir, but it's historical fiction, creative nonfiction. It's like this hybrid thing. Yeah. And that's really, really exciting. So, um, and even though we had a solid two days of uh, programming, we realized there's a, a room for more. We could include uh, income in, in another year, inviting youth panel to speak. We could have uh, graphic novelists. We could have screenwriters. We could have political writers. Uh, so on and so forth. It's just like, there's just so much to celebrate, which is really, really good. And I'm happy that we get to talk about that now after that last poem, because, you know, we don't <laughs> want to leave people in that dark space there. Again, it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost mm -hmm. happening parallel. Like 
where the awarenesses, where, where some of the really dark awarenesses are happening, but also the, the, the bright celebration is there too. And, and that's one of the things. I was, I was so honored to have been asked to co-produce that festival, you know, as a person who's absolutely passionate about indigenous literature and storytelling. Um, it was a great, you know, something great for me to, to help make happen. Cause I just got home two years ago. Like I was living out West for 25 years um, in Coast Salish territory. So uh, it was something I could, I could come back home and, and give back to the community, you know, uh, my skills as a producer. So I was really happy about that. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like a great event. Be sure to get us a press release ahead of time next year. Yes, I will. Do we'll give it too. a good mention <laughs> for whoever yeah. listens to Poetry Spoken here. Yeah. They'll know yeah. it's happening. And yeah. you're in a good location. You're not far from a urban area where people can get to you, where you know, a lot of people can get to you, you know, and yeah, that's absolutely. always good, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a hybrid. We had the presenters come into um, Six Nations Polytechnic, which is a, a you know, post-secondary in, uh, uh. education institution. And... Um, and everything, but then the viewers were joining virtually online. And because of that, we recorded everything. So you, if you missed it, you can go back and um, to the Six Nations Polytechnic YouTube channel and check out all the sessions that we offered there. And soon those, those sessions are just now getting edited down to their two hour uh, timeframes so that, mm -hmm. you know, you can pick and choose which session you wanted to, what you want to review. And I highly recommend people do that. It was a great time. We had, we had such great, great sharing happen and great readings too. It was great. I want to say again, Six Nations Polytechnic, the yes. YouTube channel. Folks, yes. Check it out. Yeah. Sounds pretty, I'll be there for some of them. I'm checking it out. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, let's get another poem in here. Okay, cool. Good. Well, this is, you, you mentioned the seventh book. This is my seventh book, Ego of a Nation. And um, I started publishing when I got home. Uh, and that is just to say, you know, um, the, taking the skills I kind of acquired all, all throughout my career as a writer and mm -hmm. put them uh, to use in uh, producing my first, my, my book first. And now I have an author who uh, we're soon going to see a proof of her first book come through the label as well. So Ojisto Publishing is um, my new label out of Six Nations. And uh, this um, poem is the title poem of the collection called Ego of a Nation. And it has to do with, um, oh gosh, uh, the injustices, the Canadian court system, in particular, the acquittal of the of the man who murdered Colton Bushy in 2016-2017. Uh, um, uh, young Colton Bushy was a young, you know, 22-year-old young man living on the prairies in, in Saskatchewan, and he was uh, shot dead, uh, point blank, by um, uh, his murderer. I'm not going to mention his name, uh, but of course, the Canadian like when that happens, and the Canadian court system says we acquit this murderer, then it's open season. On Native people, and we recognize just exactly, you know, the results of um, that that's going to be yeah. in the future. So, what does what does one do with that frustration and and um, and uh, and sadness? Write it in a poem. So, I'm going to share the poem with you, if that's okay. Ego of a nation. Our blood is rich with rains, absorbed by territories. Regenerated cycles come full circle. Our blood spills back premore with weapons of them who pay not their dues, but speak in untruths born without an ounce of remorse. 
our guts turned gray, like the ashen skin of the murdered man slumped over the wheel of his vehicle upon lands once known as his, where he only wanted to go. His spirit now wanders upon barbed wire property and when his family calls him, come home, he makes them wait. He's been trying every door to escape. So he hangs around just a minute more and watches the great, great grandchildren of his younger brother being told, be careful around here. The murderer returns to his cup of coffee, to the rantings of his wife who said she was so scared. Her hero took care of it. But his red tinged skin tells on him this is illogical and he knows it, bred into him by his grandfather's racism taught as the gospel today. He does his ancestors proud, lives out the fantasy they so often talked about with their wives over coffee. They come from a place they do not connect the way we connect, but hold real estate papers and wave them in our face like victory flags, singing the tired taxpayers lament. It is a shotgun and a can of Coke. It is sleeping pills and 10 different ways to tell the same story in court. It is caskets and feasts for the dead. These are ancient feuds and justice has no jurisdiction over something so old before paper and ink, before memory loss and distrust. Juries are just citizens collected from corrals of wayward cattle themselves, exercise the ego of a nation without identity or foundation, spirit man will haunt them, maybe not today, but down the road where he is now free to go. Hmm. Ego of a Nation title poem from a book by the same title. And uh, made a, um, a book trailer. And that book trailer uh, from that poem won best music video in the Native, uh, Native American um, Film, American Indian Film Festival uh, last year. So we were really, really, really surprised and pleased with that. That's great. Yeah, I didn't, another of your facets, I didn't mention you have some experience in developing a couple of documentaries yes. uh, related to Six Nations. And I knew yes. we'd never have time to get into everything. But uh, <laughs> if, if you look up our guest, Janet Marie Rogers, uh, you'll find out about all the many wonderful things she does and has been doing. So, yeah. Well, yeah. this has been great. I could talk to you all day, you know, Thank you. And, and oh, thank just to learn you. things and then hear the poems too. It's, yeah. it's oh, a I'm wonderful, so wonderful combination. Yeah. It's, it's what I like to be putting out there for you folks out there in the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. This I'm Charlie Rositer. You're listening to Poetry Spoken here and our feature today, Janet Marie Rogers from the Six Nations of the Grand River. Right on. Yeah. Thanks for being thank here. We say ona gawi now and ona. Thank you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetryspokenhere. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetryspokenhere. 
For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.